This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 265. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, first of all, welcome. So glad you gave the show a chance. This podcast is for creative freelancers who are good at what they do, really important, and they want to earn more money from their creative skills without selling their souls. If that sounds like you, you are in the right place. If that is not sound like you, maybe go off, get better at your skills or go sell your soul somewhere else. I don't know. For our returning listeners, awesome to have you back. Thank you so much for coming again and again, week after week. We are Smack dab in the middle of our freelance fuck-ups series. And I've got my favorite so far of the series today on this show. Before we get into the episode today, I do want to talk about something that was exciting that just happened. Uh, email just came in this morning on my phone from Scott's Cheap Flights, which I think they rebranded to something called going.com, G-O-I-N-G. But I'm just going to call them Scott's Cheap Flights because that's what everyone knows them as. Email from Scott's Cheap Flights that flights from Nashville to Lima, Peru are on sale right now. And by lunchtime, I had booked round trip tickets just out of nowhere from Nashville to Lima because it was like 325, 340 bucks per person round trip. And it was like a two hour layover in Atlanta, just a 10 hour flight to Lima. So a huge food capital, like some of the top restaurants in the world are down there. Three, four, five star hotels are anywhere from like less than hundred night up to a couple hundred a night. Like it's very affordable city once you get down there and flights are the hardest things to get at a good price from Nashville, especially. So that just came in. We call these workations. It's a 17 day trip. We're going to be there from like November 1st to the 17th for my birthday which is the 16th. So we'll be flying back the day after my birthday. And this is kind of our digital nomad thing. For any of our listeners who are not dependent on a specific location, they can do their work from a laptop anywhere. This sort of stuff is appealing to you, hopefully, because anyone can do this. Flights are cheap. And I actually have 66,000 Barclays points. So I put that on that card and that'll wipe out $660, $670 of those flights for me and my wife. So that's almost all of it, if not all of it right there. So cheaper free flights to South America. Got tons of other points from Amex that I can use to pay for hotels and other things that we do down there. So I'm excited. We'll work for most of the trip, obviously take my birthday off and a couple other things. We'll probably take days off here and there. But the coolest part is this, the same time zone as Nashville. So it's not going to be different work or routine wise. You don't have to worry about jet lag or anything. We leave here at like noon and we get there at 9 PM, something like that. So we don't have any crazy hours or anything. So I'm looking forward to that trip. Obviously I'll talk about it more as we get up to it and find out what kind of cool things there are. But obviously if anyone is a Lima expert, AKA you live there, or you've been there many times, just email me podcast at sixfigurecreative.com with your thoughts and opinions of what we should do, me and my wife down there on our workation. Because we won't just be in Lima, we'll be there probably four, five, six days, seven days max. And then we'll bounce around to other parts of South America. And I've got some stuff in my mind of what I want to do down there. So that's the trip. I'm excited about it. That is not the topic of the show today. Today, we're talking about ups around monetization. And please, God, I hope I have a better title than that <laughs> by the time this episode airs, because no one wants to talk about monetization. But what I mean is this, In freelancing or really any business, the only way to make more money, there's two ways. One is to get more clients. That's one way. The other way is to make each client worth more. Preferably, you're doing both of those things at the same time. At a certain point, you can't get more clients. You are strapped on time. You're at your capacity. So at that point, the only other way to earn more money as a freelancer is to make clients worth more. There's a couple of ways to make clients worth more. One is to go through our Easy Eights framework, which you can go check out on episode 216 called How to Spend Less Time Doing the Stuff You Hate, the Easy Eights Framework. Episode 216, you can get there any episode. You just go sixfigurecreative.com slash episode number. So sixfigurecreative.com slash 216 to that episode. But that's one way to make clients worth more as you reduce the amount of time you need to spend on a client. 
and you can use the easy ace framework, which is basically eliminate, automate, delegate, mitigate, something like that. But go listen to the episode for the full details on that. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the other side of making clients worth more, and that is better monetization or better business model or better pricing structures. We're going to talk about it specifically from the framework of the freelance ups series, which is things that you're doing now that you should stop doing. Think of this as your do not do list. If you're doing any of these things on the list today, stop doing it. And the reason this is my favorite so far of the freelance up series is because this is the area of the easiest improvements. Monetization is some of the easiest problems to fix, but no one spends time there. You want to learn how to get more leads and clients all the time. Maybe some people want to get better at sales, maybe want to get better at systems and processes and fulfillment and onboarding and all that nerdy stuff. Like some people are attracted to that, but no one is ever thinking, how can I better monetize the clients that I already have? And that's what this episode is about today. So first things first, what's the first on the list of freelance ups around monetization? This one's an easy one, one that almost everyone listening right now is probably doing, and you're probably guilty of this. Fuck up number one is you don't know your numbers. There are four letters that you should know what this stands for. AACV. This means different things in different industries. In our industry, I call this average annual client value. Easiest way to sum this up is how much is one client worth to you over the span of a year? And you can usually look at it as calendar years. This is not a perfect way to do it, but that's the easiest way to do it. So if you just look back on 2022, or you look back on the first half of 2023, because we're on the second half now, how many clients did I have over this time period and how much money did I earn? If you know those two numbers, you can figure out your AACV. So if you earned $50,000 and you had 10 clients, each client is worth $5,000. That's the easy way to do it because you take $50,000 and you divide it by your 10 clients and your AACV, average annual client value, is about $50,000. Really, that's not the best way to do it. You want to do it over a full year so you actually get average annual client value and not just average client value over a six-month period. I hate math. I'm not going to get way into math right now, but if you look over for a 12-month period, that's the best way, most accurate way to look at it. The reason this matters so much is if you know this number, you now can make the decision on what needs to be fixed. Is this number bad or is my total number of clients bad? Without knowing your AACV, you can't make the crucial decisions you need in your business in order to figure out what's the bottleneck holding me back. I talked about this on previous episodes recently about scaling a $500 per client business is orders of magnitude more difficult than scaling a $5,000 average annual client value business because you literally need 10 times more clients to make the $500 client business work. Again, I'm throwing numbers out at you right now. I promise I won't do this the entire episode, but I'm trying to make a point. Sometimes fixing your bad business is as simple as just knowing your numbers. And if you don't know your numbers, it's like not knowing what's in your bank account right now. You can't make the right decisions if you don't know what's in your bank account right now. So this is just part of knowing your bank account numbers. If you know what's in your bank account, you know how much you have to spend. It's the same as just knowing your average annual client value. You know how much a client is worth. And that means we now know how many clients we need to get to get to your goals. Without knowing this numbers, you're essentially just trying to get from point A to point B in the middle of the night with no headlights and no GPS. You're running blind. When you're running blind, you are bound to hit obstacles, run into roadblocks. It's going to take 10 times longer to get there than it should. Imagine trying to, fly, to drive from New York to LA or from Paris to Rome. You're trying to drive all that way. No GPS. It's the middle of the night. You've got no headlights. What are you going to do? Really difficult. You need to know your numbers. And if you don't know your numbers, you need to fix this. Again, this is an easy one. This is a crucial one. Average annual client value. How much is one client worth to me on average over the period of a year? Just go back, look at 2022 for the best numbers that you got. Your total income divided by your total number of clients to get you some sort of number so we know what we're working with here. Once you know that number, anything below 
$2,000 is going to be a really tough business to scale. Anything 5,000 or more, you're going to have a much easier time to grow and expand into a very good business. Now we're on to freelance fuck up number two when it comes to monetization. And that is you're staying on hourly or day rates for too long. Don't get me wrong. If you're brand new and you're just getting started, don't try to figure out like a productized service and a flat rate to pay. Like all that stuff can be figured out as you go. So you can go on day rates and hourly rates. That's fine at the very beginning. But if you're stuck there for too long, this is a bad thing. And if for no other reason than just the simple fact, your clients are paying you for results, not for hours. Nobody cares about hours. Yes, when you're in a day job, people think through dollars per hour and getting paid per hour and how many hours did you work and that's going to dictate your pay. In the freelance world, when we're offering solutions or outcomes to people and we're doing value-based pricing, now we're detached from hours worked. And now instead of hours worked, we're held to what's the result that we gave our clients. Is the song the quality that they came to you for as a music producer? Is the video hitting all of the things that they asked for? Did you capture all of those amazing moments in the wedding as a photographer? Did you edit out all of the fuck-ups on the podcast and bleep all of the F-bombs as the podcast editor? <laughs> Thanks, Leland. For some of you listening right now, this is the time it makes sense to move away from hourly and away from day rates towards a more packaged flat rate offer. That's the only way to get a disproportionate return on your time. At a certain point, you cannot get past your income bottleneck on a day rate. It just does not work because whenever you start actually earning what you should be earning as a freelancer, which is over $100 per hour, your clients are going to start pushing back if they know what you're earning per hour because in their heads, I can't pay someone $100 an hour. Now you're letting their bad money mindset dictate what your prices are. But if you detach those two things and you focus on the outcomes you're giving them, you're going to be able to actually start scaling your income because you're no longer tied to dollars for hours. You're now tied to outcomes for dollars. There's a kind of a side issue with this, by the way, for many of my people who are from the video production world and designers or illustrators or really anybody working underneath agencies, there's actually an even worse place to be than just charging hourly. And that's actually charging hourly and day rates under an agency or as a part of a production team. This is the same exact thing, except worse, because I don't look at those as freelancers. If those people come to me for client acquisition, I can't help them. They are working underneath an agency and the agency is hiring that butt in the seat for a day rate or a per hour rate, you actually don't have clients. You have a real, a legitimate boss and you actually have a, you might even have a case for it being a part-time job with benefits in many cases. It's the same with a production company. If you are a videographer and you're not actually in charge of the project or the client, you're hired underneath a production company. It's the same exact thing. You're really just a glorified butt in a seat as a part-time job. And you're not really looking for clients at that point. You're looking for other people to hire you for jobs. You don't dictate the terms. You don't dictate the pricing. You are really, really held to what the market says that butt in that seat is worth for this type of gig. That's a side thing for some other listeners for the podcast, especially those in the video niche and some that are designers or people, illustrators that work underneath agencies. I've seen that a bunch of times in conversations I've had with freelancers. And this is kind of the sister or the cousin to being stuck at a day rate for too long. So if you want to get past that, you have to start bringing your own clients in instead of working for someone else who's bringing the clients in. And this leads us to freelance fuck up number three when it comes to monetization. And this is a lot of times why you can't get away from the hour and day rates. You are offering low value services in highly competitive button seat industries. If you're not sure what that means, hear me out. Many people right now are offering services that I could directly go on to fiverr.com or upwork.com and find that exact service at the same or similar quality as you for likely a lower price or even the same price. If that's the case, you are offering low value copycat services. And by doing that, 
you've literally put a cap on how much you can charge. If this sounds like you, we've got a couple episodes to send your way just to help you out with this. If you're newer, there's episode 256, which is more of the recent episodes called Choosing the Right Services to Sell as a Freelancer as the part of a Back to Basics series. And that can be a really good first step on getting away from button C copycat freelance services that are on Fiverr. There's also episode 213 called The Four Best Ways to Become More Valuable to Your Clients So You Can Charge More. And this was actually a takeaways episode from the book, $100 Million Offers by Alex Ramosi. If you don't know who that is, great book, highly recommend it, but just go listen to that episode first because part of getting away from the button seat copycat freelance services that are on Fiverr is figuring out ways to become more valuable so that you can charge more and you're not directly compared to those button seat jobs on Fiverr. Fiverr is just a transactional site. And if I just need a transactional service, AKA button seat, I can go to Fiverr and it's wonderful for that sort of thing. For example, we need somebody to turn transcripts from the podcast into blog articles. That's a Fiverr thing. But if I'm looking for something much higher value, something that's going to be more valuable to me and my business, I'm likely not going to look on Fiverr for that. And the same thing for you. If your service can be found on Fiverr, go listen to episode 213 to find ways to spruce up your service to be able to provide more value so that you can charge more. Because literally, if you look at how much you can charge right now, that is an echo of the value you're creating as a freelancer. And if you are stuck at this price point, it's because you are stuck at creating a certain amount of value. I know it sounds very out there and ethereal and not very concrete because value is not a very simple and straightforward thing for us to calculate and figure out in many industries. And that's okay, but go listen to episode 213 for more on that. And then finally, there's one more episode I want to refer you back to if you're stuck in kind of copycat button seat, low value freelance services. And that's episode 137. This is an old one. This is actually back in the six figure home studio days, which is our old brand. The title is how to def your marketing message with a before and after transformation. That's more about your marketing message. I still like that episode because it talks about offering a transformation. Where was your client before they came to you? Where's your client now after they came to you? When you're offering a transformational service, you are almost by default, no longer a button seat, find it on Fiverr kind of job. You are now able to show exactly what you can do for somebody when you're doing a transformational service. So if that sounds like something you might need, go listen way back to episode 137. But that's mistake number three is you're stuck in this low value, highly competitive button seat, copycat freelance world, <laughs> horrible place to be. Freelance fuck up number four is no recurring revenue. As a freelancer, this is actually surprisingly uncommon in many industries and niches for people to think through like, how can I offer my service as a recurring offer? Whether it's a subscription or a retainer, whatever you want to call it. In some niches, this is completely common. I'm not going to pretend that every freelance industry suffers from this, but if you're a freelancer and you don't have recurring revenue coming in the bank every single month from clients on a subscription or retainer, pay attention because this is an easy way to fix your average annual client value problem. There's a book called Automatic Customer. It's old one, but a good one. And it's worth asking ChatGPT about a summary of it. I'll say that it's worth an audiobook listen. It's worth a browse through. It's not really built for freelancers, but if you're clever enough, you can put the principles from that book into your mindset about freelancing. But the gist is this, every client that you get as a freelancer, or you can call them customers, he calls them customers, same thing. Every client that you get that's on a recurring basis for you, like a subscription, is an automatic customer. That means you get them one time and they keep paying you again and again and again and again and again every single month automatically. So now, instead of getting one customer who pays you one time, you're getting one customer who pays you every single month. That's as good as 10 to 12 customers, depending on how long they stay with you. So this creates predictability, which is a freelancer that's the fastest and best way to get out of the feast or famine life cycle that a freelancers go through. Most freelancers get into that cycle of feast or famine because they get a bunch of work. They get really busy. They ignore marketing and client acquisition. They ignore their sales pipeline. And then as that starts to thin out, they get more time back. Now they realize 
I don't have anything in the pipeline. I don't have any projects coming up because I haven't done anything to actually acquire new leads and customers or clients. So you then go out there and you start hustling and you start drumming up work again. And now you're getting clients again. And you just go through this feast or famine cycle like that. What if you could just get clients, fill up your roster, and now you're booked solid every single month in advance because all your clients are on recurring retainers. That's what I'm presenting here. This is nothing new. This is nothing unique. Many industries are doing this now, but what is different is that most one and done freelance service providers haven't thought through how they can make this work for your business. I was trying to think of like what freelance service does not make sense on a recurring basis. And my brain goes to like a wedding photographer because a couple who's getting married hires you as a wedding photographer. You do the photos for them. You're finished with it. And then all of a sudden they're not getting married again, are they? Hopefully not. <laughs> We're going to say happily ever after on that one. So how could a wedding photographer potentially offer recurring revenue services? Well, there's two paths with this. One is how can you offer more things to that same customer? So it could be, we're going to put a whole package together that gets us the engagement shoot, the wedding photos. We'll do honeymoon photos. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up here. Different milestones in your life. You could do something like that. That one's a tougher sell to me as a business person where I'm thinking like, that's really hard to structure. There's too many variables. I'm going to fly out to your honeymoon. That's weird. That's to me is out. It could be done. You could find ways to make it a pseudo automatic thing where they're paying a bigger package up front and then you're doing more on the back end. That increases the average annual client value, but it's not perfect to me. There's another method you could try. Again, this is not proven. I'm just giving you a thought experiment. When I just sat and thought about it for five minutes, what would I do if I was a wedding photographer? You could go to people who hold the keys to a lot of projects or a lot of weddings. And those are wedding planners. Wedding planners tend to hold the key to many, many, many weddings in a season. So what if now you are offering a recurring service to a wedding planner and now you are the de facto wedding photographer for that wedding planner. And when the wedding planner is putting together their packages with the client, they can say my packages come with wedding photographer, wedding videographer. It comes with X, Y, and Z because that specific wedding planner has built a team. And now you don't have to go searching for clients. You found that one wedding photographer, they're paying you a flat monthly fee to do up to a certain amount of weddings per month. You could say four a month or something like that, maybe eight. I don't know how many is reasonable. Now, every single weekend, your calendar is booked up because that wedding planner has already found all of the leads and clients. They're the ones doing all the work for you marketing-wise. And now you actually have a business that you could scale because now you can potentially hire a photographers under you and start taking on more and more of these. Again, there's probably plenty of holes to poke in that if you are a dedicated, legitimate wedding photographer. So I'm not saying that this is the end-all be-all to solving this problem. But what I am saying is if you can sit and think about it, you can find potential solutions in any niche. So I want to go back to episode 223 called Shifting Your Clients from One-Time Projects to Monthly Recurring Subscriptions. That's with Anna Mae Tonkin. And she's in a niche that you just wouldn't think that it's able to go from a one-time project to a recurring subscription. She made it work and she's making tons of money from doing that. So instead of being the person who says, I can't because X, Y, and Z, now become the person who says, I'm not, but how can I? From I can't to how can I? Big difference and outcome and mindset and success versus failure. If you want to be an I can't because of XYZ type of freelancer, go for it. I'm not your podcaster. Go find someone else. But if you're the type of person who's like, I'm not currently doing that, but I'm interested, how could I do that? If you're a curious-minded person like that, you're going to do well here, <laughs> especially for our new people. And just to really hone in on why this is important is increased average annual client value. You have predictability in your business. And here's the big part that people don't think about. It forces you to get better at your job. As a freelancer, you're offering a service. And when clients are paying you every single month for that service, they now have to make the decision, is this worth it? And if they can't say yes, they're going to start canceling. And if your clients are canceling, there's a problem somewhere. And that usually lies with you and your ability to actually keep your clients happy. So sometimes it's your skills. 
Sometimes it's something outside of that that you have to work on in your business to keep clients on longer, making sure the expectations are set properly, making sure communication's right, making sure they're actually utilizing your service. But it forces your service to become better so that clients want to stay. The goal is to get to the point where if the credit card fails that they're paying you on, they're reaching out to you to update it versus you reaching out to them. That's when you know you've succeeded. If you think about some of your services that you're subscribed to and depend on, for many of you, it's Netflix or something like that. It could be Disney Plus, I don't know. And it could be your internet. If that service stops, you are seeking it out to update your credit card information versus the service that you don't really care about. It could be Disney Plus, it could be Netflix, where if it cancels, you're like, I need to cancel that anyways. Probably your Planet Fitness subscription, if you have that. That's a good one that most people just will let die off if it cancels on them. But that is for the answer up number four on monetization, and that is you have no recurring revenue. Terrible place to be. We got two more to go. We're on freelance up number five when it comes to monetizing your services. You are pricing your services off of emotion or gut instead of value or numbers or logic. I could probably title that one better. Let's try it again. You are basing your pricing off of gut or worse, emotion. And there's usually a few reasons for this. It could be ignorance. Maybe you just don't know how to actually structure your pricing and how to think through it logically in a way that makes the most sense and is fair for the client and fair for you and is a win all around, but ultimately helps your business out. So it could be an ignorance thing. In many cases, it's tied to imposter syndrome. You don't feel like you deserve it. So you self-sabotage your pricing. That's the emotional side where you're like, I am basing this on emotion. I don't feel like I deserve this. So I'm gonna, I'm never raising prices because of this. It could be based on fear as well, which is Kind of like imposter syndrome, but when I'm talking about fear here, I mean fear of losing the client. If I raise my prices, are my old clients going to come by? Am I going to lose those clients? Or if I quote at the higher rate here, I feel like I'm going to lose the potential client. A lot of times this is due to personal attachment as well. It could be personal attachment on the client itself. And so you're like, I have a really good relationship with them and I don't want to rock the boat. So I can't raise my rates or I can't charge the higher price. And this is hard because this is a relational game. We're in freelancing and our clients relationships really do matter. So that's one of the hardest ones to overcome. And we can talk about that, but that's not the focus of this episode. I'm just giving you the reasons why many people are emotional with their pricing. Some of it's personal attachment with the service, meaning you love what you do. You're like, oh, I could never charge that much for this service. I just love it so much. That's when we get into the conversation of the creative versus the entrepreneur. The creative is now sabotaging your business. We are not a charity. We're not a nonprofit. And we are not hobbyists. If that is you, we're not the podcast for you. There's plenty of places to go for that. We are a creative who is an entrepreneur who's offering a service for an income. Whether you like it or not, we're a business owner. To make sure the business can see tomorrow and the next day and the next month and that we're taken care of and our families are taken care of and we are not stressed every month because of money, we can't let our personal attachment with people or with service or with fear or emotion or imposter syndrome hold us back for charging what we're worth. We need to charge based on value, not based on our guts or our emotions. Here's another one, by the way, bad money mindset. Some of us have a really toxic relationship with money. Some of us would say, oh, I would never pay that much for this. If that's your response, you probably have a bad money mindset. People, you included, I'm talking about you right now, looking at me, pointing at you, I'm pointing my finger at you on YouTube, or I'm pointing my imaginary finger at you if you're listening to the podcast. Many of you sell exactly like you buy. You were very concerned with what's the cost, not the outcome or benefit. You were very focused on what's the cheapest way to get this done versus what's the best way to get this done. Then you probably are pricing your services the exact same way. You're selling yourself the exact same way because you sell like you buy. So if you're the type of person who struggles with pricing yourself appropriately, it's probably because if you're being honest with yourself, when you're analyzing something, you're so focused on the price tag and you don't think about the 
benefit attached to that. And this isn't just money, by the way. This can be time, energy. This can be relationships. You're focused on what's the cost versus what's the benefit. And I'm not going to sit here and explain all of this. I'm just saying, if you ever catch yourself saying, I would never pay for that or I would never pay that much, this is something to explore deeper here. We found a root cause that needs to be addressed because that's likely what's holding your rates back. And kind of a cousin to this is the thought that all my clients are broke. This can sometimes be true. We'll talk about that in a second. Many times you're the one who's broke. <laughs> and because you're broke, you think everyone else is broke. Or it could be that you are you have the victim mentality. And because you fall into victim mentality, just because you see something going wrong in the world or you see something on the news about an economy collapse or something, you just assume that that's affecting everybody. I'll give you an example. There was somebody I was talking to and they were complaining about not being able to get clients because they couldn't afford their rates. And I dug into it and I asked more information and they said that their clients were feeling the housing squeeze, the housing squeeze. And I said, tell me more. I don't understand. And their thought process was, because of this housing squeeze, again, it doesn't even matter where it was or when this was. This was relatively recent and it was in the UK, but it doesn't matter because this specific freelancer worked with B2B clients. They're working with bigger businesses with multiple employees, you know, a multi-million dollar companies. And he's offering services for these people. And if you're trying to tell me that they're feeling a housing squeeze, meaning the rising cost of housing, and that's why they're not hiring you in your freelance service, there's a disconnect there. You're lying to yourself. I had a similar one in the music space. This music producer was telling me that his clients couldn't afford him because something about the economy. And I said, great, let's talk about that. Are your clients fully dependent on their music careers to pay for your music production services? No, they have day jobs. Okay. Have your clients lost their day jobs? No. Okay. So what's the problem here? Your clients have the same job they've had for the last several years. They're getting paid the same or more today. The economy on the news is bad. But what's really wrong here is you're letting yourself fall into this bad money mindset trap of my clients can't afford that. And you're putting every excuse in the book as to why this is a problem versus addressing the core issue, which is your mindset. That's the root issue. It's not your clients. It's not some external force. Now, there are plenty of places where that is true, where there are external forces at play that you have to pivot your entire business or business model. That's beyond the scope of this conversation. What we're talking about in the freelance fuck up series around monetization or monetizing your freelance skills or services, you're pricing yourself based on emotion or gut. This is not how we run businesses. And it's time to get out of our freelance pull-ups and put our uh, big boy and big girl underwear on. <laughs> Graduate to the next level of freelancing. I'm gonna move on to number six, the last one on the episode today of the freelance fuck up series. And this is actually closely tied to what I just talked about. And that is you are genuinely working with broke clients. That is a f up if that's the case. There's a quote that I saw someone arguing about on the internet. It was like a viral TikTok or Instagram reel or something where the quote was this, solve rich people's problems, it pays better. And I just thought, interesting. Solve rich people's problems, it pays better. Some people were defending that take. Some people were like, that's awful. And everything in between, I thought that was actually kind of insightful for freelancers to think about. And here's why. Clients with money are not gonna have monetary objections in many cases. Sometimes they will if they can't see the value in what you provide. But money will not be the major objection. The major objection will be, is this person right for what we need? That's the only thing they have to overcome. Is this who I want to handle this thing? When you're working with broke clients, not only do you have to prove that you're the right person, which is already difficult enough, you also have to prove that the thing that you're doing is worthwhile, worth the races you're paying. And even if you can prove that definitively without a shadow of a doubt that it is worth it to them, which I guess you still have to do with the rich client or the clients with an actual budget. The thing that you don't have with those clients is a lack of money. Sometimes you can have somebody who is genuinely interested in what you do. They know they need you. They know they want to hire you. They want to work with you. They want you to do the thing that you offer, but they genuinely can't afford it. And in that case, the first two things don't matter. 
doesn't matter that all of your marketing efforts and all your client acquisition activities and everything on your website, everything worked perfectly. You nailed your sales conversation, but they genuinely can't afford you. So you still don't get the client. It's as if they never existed, which is a terrible place to be. So if we're freelancers offering freelance services for money, you have by default said, I have to have money to survive. It's just the fact of being human. We have to have money to survive. Some of us need more than others. And we can always have the conversation of when is enough enough, but that's not the conversation for today. Today's conversation is if you're working with broke clients, you're making this harder on yourself. I use another kind of illustration here. If I'm a podcast producer or a podcast editor, even whatever service you want to throw in there, that's kind of a button seat job. If I'm a podcast editor and I'm taking my skills that I've honed over the years and the equipment that I've purchased and I have a website and I'm finding my own leads and I'm not relying on Fiverr and Upwork and I'm like doing it the right way. I built a brand. I hired a copywriter to write my copy. I'm legit. I got a nice photographer to do headshots for me and blah, blah, blah. I've done it all, but I'm trying to help podcasters who are broke, meaning they are hobbyists talking about drama or The Bachelor, or they are talking about amateur sports. I, use, I always use Dungeons and Dragons as a joke, but there's actually one of the biggest podcasts that talk about Dungeons and Dragons. But if I'm working with Dungeons and Dragons podcasts, those are generally people who are not, don't have high monetary aspirations. They're not investing a lot of money into their podcast. Therefore, there's a hard cap on how much I can charge. And there'll be many times I have a conversation, very fruitful conversation, and they want me to work with them but they're too broke. They just can't afford it. Counter that to solving rich people problems, going back to that quote, solve rich people problems, they pay better. You go to a client who earn more money. They're a business owner or they're a wealthy individual. They're an upper class family. If you do family photography, basically any clients with money, whatever your service is, there is a place for you to charge what you're worth, to not have the monetary objection. There's other challenges around working with higher tier clients, if you want to put it that way, monetarily higher tier clients, but it's generally a much better business move. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying sell your soul and work with people that you hate to make more money. That is not what I'm saying here. But what I am saying is if you take that exact same skill set as a podcast editor, a podcast producer, or a photographer, or a videographer, or a graphic designer, or a music producer, but take that exact same skill set and take it from the broke clients. Maybe they're not broke, but they just don't take their thing seriously. That could be another way of looking at it. They're not serious about it. And I move it to the people that are serious about it. Now, all of a sudden, it's way easier for me to charge my value to monetize my services, to not get constant pricing objections. So if you find yourself hitting the wall constantly, clients telling you that they can't afford you, then there could be a sales problem. We can maybe talk about that in a later episode on sales ups. But in a lot of cases, you're just taking your skill set and applying it to the wrong type of people. So those are the six freelance ups around monetization. Just to go over those again, freelance up number one is you just don't know your numbers. Do you remember, by the way, <laughs> listener? Do you remember what AACV stands for? AACV? Say it out loud. AACV. Average annual client value. Go figure out how to find that number for yourself. Number two, staying on hourly slash day rates for too long. If that sounds like you, go back to listen to that part. There's a few episodes that I think I recommended there. Up number three is offering low value, highly competitive, but in seat copycat services, aka things I can go find on Fiverr right now. Up number four was you have no recurring revenue in your freelance business. That's a big one. Number five is you were setting your rates and pricing your packages based on gut or worse, emotion. And there's a lot of junk to uncover there and unpack there. Maybe we could have a full episode on the emotions of pricing at some point, if you want it. And then up number six is working with broke clients. <laughs> the best quote ever is solve rich people problems. It pays better. <laughs> so if you have any feedback, any thoughts, any ideas you have on this that you want to share, just email me podcast at sixfigurecreative.com. That's the number six figurecreative.com. Love to hear back from you. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to the Six Figure Creative Podcast.